All right, wrestling fans, we are back once again, and this is going to be a small wrap-up of uh, Tuesday Night Smackdown. I did finally catch the whole thing. As painful as it was for me, I did catch it. For all of you out there listening, I know you're appreciative. I did a small poll on the old Twitter machine. It's actually still going, so if you'd like to vote, hit up my profile at WrestlingCO2 there on Twitter. The poll is, you know, uh, how did you guys like that Cesaro versus Gargano match that's been hyped up from since last week? You know, since last SmackDown. Super hyped up match. Been all over. Gargano versus Cesaro was going to be a great match. Everybody that I know was really looking forward to it. For those of you wondering, no, you did not miss that match on SmackDown. It just never happened. Not only did it not happen, it was never even mentioned that this match changed. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, The poll results right now of the two options. Option number one, it was great. Option number two, what the fuck? Because basically, this match was hyped. This match was advertised. And not only did they not follow through and change it at the last minute, but there was no mention of it. Uh, It was great at 13%. WTF 87%. So I think we've got a winner. You know, I'm going to leave this, this poll up for a couple more days. I, I don't think it was great is going to make a comeback. I'm just going to say that right now. So uh, with that being said, SmackDown started off with a huge plot twist. One of McMahon's unplanned last moment change-ups which would drive me crazy if I was a writer for them because the writers start writing the show as soon as it ends they start writing for the next week they have a home team and they have a road team the home team starts writing this stuff out it gets gone over with the the higher ups of the writing team and the McMahons. They implement whatever changes is wanted. Then it's sent to the other road teams. And these guys have to rewrite it, as it says, on the road. Um, And then they're the ones rewriting it last minute also for McMahon as they change it there, you know, at the arena. Um, and oftentimes wrestlers have said, you know, they'll go on air, start the show when the rest of the show is being rewritten. Man, I would not want to be on the road writing team. I'll say that right now. You would have to pay a substantial amount of money. And I have seen how much these guys make and it's not worth it, to be honest. You couldn't pay me the pennies that these guys are getting paid to go on the road and be put through such abuse. Anyway, 
the show starts with uh, supposed to be contract signing. Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, McMahon cuts it short, pulls Kofi from the match with pretty much no explanation except Kofi's not good enough. And in his place is Kevin Owens. Seemingly face Kevin Owens. He's been built up as a face these last few uh, weeks and vignettes. And uh, Owens comes out to, uh, you know, a small pop there. And he's, uh, you know, he's grateful for where he is, but he also feels bad for Kofi. You know, that comes across well. And, um, yeah, that's, that was kind of the, uh, crazy introduction. Um, so then up, you know, we were expecting our Cesaro Gargano match. Cesaro Sheamus are in the ring and the Hardy Boys music hits. And Matt Hardy is back with his brother Jeff. Um, No real explanation. No preview that Matt's back. No glimpse of brokenness in this aspect. And yeah, just there. Of course, Hardy's win this match. I'm assuming this is a... Kind of going to be a push towards a Hardy versus Usos at Mania. That's what I would assume. Um, so we might see Matt and Jeff walk away from WrestleMania as the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, so utter confusion starting out the show. Uh, you have uh, Truth comes out. That's a funny little segment. John Cena is his hero. We have Truth defending the U.S. title in an open challenge against Andrade and Mysterio. Truth gets a sneaky roll-up win. Uh, one, you know, a fun little match, actually. Um, Charlotte comes out, and she does her little thing. Uh, then we have Aleister Black and Ricochet, and they defeat Shinsuke and I couldn't help but think that Shinsuke versus Ricochet is a dream match anywhere but in WWE. And just goes to show where they have Shinsuke on the roster, what they've done with him since he's been in the the promotion. Yeah, kind of sad. But, uh... The interesting note was we have Aleister Black hit the fade to black on Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, strange enough, looks like Ricochet and Aleister are just going to be a tag team at this stage. Uh, if it's up to me, I would rather much see Shinsuke versus Aleister Black or Ricochet in singles matches. Uh, I think Shinsuke versus Aleister might be... An interesting little feud if they did it did it right, but hey, lots of ifs. Uh, let's see what else they have on the on the show there. Oh yes, and then of course they had the main event it was Owens and Kofi Kingston. Kevin Owens earlier suggesting this match um, for facing uh, Daniel Bryan and his new big buddy Eric Rowan. 
And man, I couldn't help but notice that Eric Rowan looked pretty good out there. Um, Rowan and uh, Kevin Owens both sporting some new tattoos. And ultimately, Kevin Owens finishing the match off with a stunner on Daniel Bryan for the win. Um, kind of pulled that one out of his pocket. Of course, Kevin Owens has used the stunner before in matches, a little tribute to Stone Cold. Uh, never actually seen him win a match with a stunner, so that was interesting. He also hit a pop-up sit-out powerbomb earlier before that. Hadn't seen him do that before either. Uh, so, yeah, an interesting little match. Kevin Owens and Kofi looked amicable. Um, we'll see where that goes. I'm not sure what the big plan is. I personally expect Dan Bryan to retain over Owens at Fastlane and uh, whatever device they use to decide a number one contender for WrestleMania. I expect Kofi Kingston to win that match, tournament, whatever. I think Vince hopefully realizes, man, this is this is going to be fire. Uh, we got to build it and and do Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So, <clears throat> just a small review there. You know, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I I can't say. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It was much better than I thought than Raw, even uh, despite the hype of Roman Reigns' return and the the Ric Flair bash. Um, despite all that, I, I still felt SmackDown was the better of the two shows. But SmackDown had its own issues with seemingly last-minute rebooking of the show. Um... Uh, not following through on consistency from what had been hyped before, which was Gargano versus Cesaro match. Everybody was was um, very much looking forward to. Kind of shows that Vince is out of touch with the fan base. Um, I feel surely that people are looking on social media and can relay this to Vince McMahon. Uh, uh, to me, it's like this is such a, a huge aspect of his product that naturally you would want to have that uh, being monitored in some fashion or way. Even if it's just like checking out hashtags or what's trending or, or whatnot, like, you know, you have to have somebody like keeping up on this. I personally have noticed on Twitter that some fans out there, and I I relate this to a WWE bubble, there they have cultivated a WWE fan base that doesn't quite understand proper wrestling story etiquette. Um, And I say this because WWE puts on matches that doesn't follow proper wrestling storyline etiquette. 
And if you listen to any guys that have left WWE that are in-depth veterans of the square circle, guys like Al Snow or Raven or... uh, there's There's a plethora of guys who have gone out there to kind of give you a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. Talk about what I like to call uh, wrestling dynamics. You know, what a match pertains. We live in an age now that there is a, a lot of information at your fingertips. If you search it out, there are books on wrestling. There are many podcasts, although not all podcasts are great, like this one here is wonderful. A wealth of knowledge at your fingertips here. But there's so much out there that you can listen to. A lot of uh, uh, interviews, shoots, where you can hear from the wrestlers themselves how matches should be done. And and it, it goes and it gets more further complicated from there. The match can get very complex and even philosophical to a degree. You want to talk wrestling f- philosophy, listen to a lot of Al Snow stuff. It can start to get pretty deep if you really, really think about it. Anyway, it, it, it's really quite simple. At the base of it, at the foundation which is what most of this should be. But I'm seeing a lot of people that just don't quite understand any of this. And it's, it's a bit bewildering to me. If you read any of my blog posts or listen to Midcard Mana or even this podcast right here, I tend to talk a lot about storytelling within wrestling. I relate it to a lot of writing. Um, If you haven't read Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces or A Hero's Journey or Monomyth, it's all the same thing. Um, It's about storytelling and how storytelling works. And there's a reason why all these elements are, are in storytelling. They're in our movies. They're in our TV series. They're in all the myths. And a lot of it is in wrestling too. Whether it's the storylines building to uh, a match, a pay-per-view match. Or whether it is just the storyline, the story. That's being told in the ring. There are aspects. I mean, you have to have a face and a heel, is what they call it in wrestling. You have to have a protagonist or an antagonist. You have to have the good guy or the bad guy. Um, I see a lot out there where people, and I've talked about this very often, talk about tweeners. There's no such thing as a tweener in wrestling. I'm just going to put that out there. There's no such thing as a tweener in wrestling. What you have, as, as far as alignment goes, you're either face or you're heel. A tweener, at its core, is just 
one alignment transitioning to another alignment. If your face, maybe you're starting to get animosity toward another face. We can look back at the mega powers when Savage was starting to become jealous of Hogan. He looked at Hogan and Hogan maybe getting a little too close, close to Liz. Savage is transitioning from a face to a heel. Now, up until that moment of the turn, he's still a face. It's just the transition of face to heel. If we look back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, the Dirty White Boy transitions. We can look at a, a number of different matches. Uh, Stone Cold transitions and match with Bret Hart from face to heel. A lot of times, fans mistake a tweener, what is presumed to be a tweener, as a, an anti-hero, which is still a face. Stone Cold Steve Austin was unquestionably an anti-hero in his, uh, most of his run in WWE. When he first came as the uh, Million Dollar Man's henchman, he was a heel. Uh, and then he slowly transitioned from there. Of course, he left DiBiase and he was his own heel for a good portion of his start until he transitioned to a babyface, thanks to that match with Bret Hart. And there was a short run with Triple H as the two-man power trip where Austin was a heel. And shortly thereafter, during the invasion. But at all other points, Austin was a babyface. He was an anti-hero babyface. Now, anti-heroes aren't your traditional white meat babyfaces. But they still hold babyface qualities. The fans still idolize them. There's that emotional connection. And they're, the fans are living vicariously through them. All qualities of a baby face. So, I just wanted to cover that. Um, at this moment, seeing it pop up on Twitter a lot. For some reason, people don't seem to understand what this is. You're either a face or a heel. And I, I relate the problem is that WWE really tries not to follow this. Like they just, I think it's laziness. Because you'll see baby faces doing heel qualities and heel tactics where it's not only unwarranted, but it's not set up in a manner of such. Um, and you can get by with it as a babyface if you're an anti-hero. Uh, we could look at someone like Roddy Piper, who was a heel for most of his career. Was known for doing dastardly things. And yet, when he did these sorts of things to the bad guys, clearly as a babyface, as an anti-hero, um, these weren't really bad qualities. He, you know... 
he wasn't cheating to win per se. He was cheating in revenge. Uh, we can look the same way at Eddie Guerrero and his face run, lie, cheat, and steal. More of a, I relate it more to a prankster god in mythology. Not necessarily a bad guy, but a prankster. And this is when you start really getting philosophical with it all. But if you break it down to its core level, antiheroes still baby faces. They're not tweeners. Tweener is just a transition from one alignment to another. With that said, this episode is going to draw to a close. I'm sure we'll be picking up some more uh, either Monday. Maybe I'll do something with NXT to cover all the uh, recent call-ups and what's happening down there. Who knows what's going to happen with Ciampa when that title will change hands with somebody. Until next time, though, this is Sam Keolo, the Wrestling Connoisseur. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for the use of our theme song. And that'll do it for today. <laughs>